Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Well, thank you, Dick Warren, and welcome to another edition of The Coaching Show, my dear listener. Each and every week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people you need to know about, or just plain interesting stuff. Today, that, my name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way, here in studio uh, via Zoom with my, are we partners? Are you my co-host? Are you my junior uh, executive? Uh, are you gunning for my job? What, what's your title? I think this all depends on the mood that you're in, right? If you're in a good mood, there's less hierarchy. If you're in a bad mood, there's more hierarchy. You know what? I know you've been, you know, you've had a, a rough few days with a, some exciting things going on. What kind of mood are you in before I answer that question? Wow. Codependent much? Oh, that's the kind of mood I'm in. Yes, I answered your question. Um, and that would be the dulcet tones of Alex Terranova. He's a professional certified coach for uh, Cinco years. Is that right? Yeah, the, no, we'll be six years. My six-year anniversary of starting my company is uh, is January. Congratulations. He is Thank a you. podcaster in his own right. You can find him at the Dream Mason Podcast. You can find him online at thedreammason.com. He's also the author of Fictional Authenticity, your first book. Is that true? It is true. And we're recording the audio book. So if you like the sound of my voice but don't like my book, you can just listen to it. Um, uh, yeah, it's my first book. It's uh, a year. We did that last year. You helped me publish that book a year ago. It was a privilege and an honor, and it's a delightful book. You can also go online to the, uh, click on the fictional authenticity and get the authenticity audit. Find out how authentic you really, really are. And I think, man, I, I feel very propped up by you right now. This is great. I feel I feel really welcome today. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to have you here as always. But I. Uh, uh, I'd I like think you missed me for my previous behavior. I think you missed me because it's been like a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. That's I, I've, I've kind of forgotten how to do this. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to check in with you as we often do, but I'm very eager to bring in our, our, our uh, guest today because I'm, I'm thinking that we're all sort of in the same boat. Meaning this is November fourth, the morning after the election, eight a.m. local time for me, and um. You know, we're still a nation clearly divided and a nation with a big old question mark as to who our leaders will be. Do you feel like we should bring in Darcy or did you want to say anything about your personal life, your car situation or anything else before we... <laughs> no, let's bring in Darcy and we can all kind of take a moment and talk about it. Great. Thanks. Um, if you don't mind, I'll take the honor. Uh, she is a master certified coach. She's also the CEO and founder of Darcy Loma Coaching and Consulting, one of America's most highly credentialed coaches. She's worked in over 48 industries with over 210 organizations. She's coached company founders, board chairs, CEOs, etc. She's um, uh, supported the University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is a Big Ten university, to design its rigorous nine-month-long professional coach training program. She has a Master's of Science in Organizational Development from Pepperdine University and a coach and a consultant uh, for eight years, I think. Um, as well as somebody who's worked on the uh, presidential recount, um, as well as doing national advance work for the White House, a great person to have today. Please welcome to our microphones and our and our Zoom video, Darcy Loma. Hello, Darcy. Hello. Good morning. It's great to be with you. 
thanks for being had, as we like to say. Hey, wh- uh, where where are you? Look around. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Check the check the Google. Okay, Madison, Wisconsin. You're right in the thick of things. Oh, we are. Uh, it seems. Well, let me ask you. How does it seem to you? <laughs> That's a loaded question for the morning after election day when kind results of, are still coming in. Kind of a uh, question, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Super wide open. Yeah. A wide open question. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems regardless of where you fall on the on the political spectrum, that we are a country divided and that um, we have a lot of healing to do. Clearly, I'm I started a little list of states where the regardless of who the winner is, where the difference was two percent or less. And I'm up to 18. Right. So. This is truly, no matter who wins, they will be leading a country where half the people think it should have gone the other way or are upset with them. You've worked with a lot of leaders in a lot of situations, right? And you've worked in political environments. If you were able to set the agenda for uh, whichever president will have, what would your, um, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly about the uh, this issue of division, because I think that we have it, if we have it in our electorate, we clearly have it in our organizations, we clearly have it in our day-to-day lives, our families, right? What, what have you seen that's actually effective in addressing such a deep divide? Hmm. Do you have a few hours? <laughs> well, <laughs> we can cut it, we can show you. I mean, sadly, uh, yeah, I, don't I think mean, you do actually. Right? It's a it, it, it's a complex question and a simple question. Our our company we we focus on people problems, and I think that when you when you look at the the nation divided, that the regardless of who comes out on top, there will continue to be um, conflict and division and people problems. And I I mean, I think at the simplest level, more compassion, more connection, more curiosity, uh, and less judgment is, is the answer. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's not as simple as it sounds. True that. I'm, I'm curious just because of the listening to you both. Um, I actually got curious just now and I'm trying to find it. I don't know that I'm going to find it in a fast enough way, but it made me think, you know, often we were, when we're in the present moment, we think our time is so unique and different from things from the past. And I'm actually wondering in the past, like, you know, not necessarily just the past few elections, but over the course of the history of, of this country, how often was this country like very split where we're thinking, Oh my God, it's like, you know, somebody's going to win this election by, not that much in the past. I'm, I'm just wondering, I don't, I don't, I don't expect you both to know that answer, but it just makes me think about the mindset that we have, right. That we think that things are, are worse now than maybe they've been. Um, and I'm sure we can speak about that from a coaching perspective, uh, from the same thing as typically our fears never come true. Most of the things we're afraid of never actually happen. What are, what do you think, do you, do you think that's, Darcy, like that's po- possible in the country that we're actually like simply like kind of megaphoning all of our fears and collectively we're sitting in them versus actually focus on maybe the things we want? 
I kind of said a lot there. I don't know if it was a clear question for you. You, you did say a lot, Alex, because there is a lot, right? And yeah. um, I mean, bef- right before I got into coaching full time in 2000, I was working on a presidential campaign doing national advance around the country. And if you remember 2000 on election night, it was Bush, it was Gore, it was Bush, it was Gore. And um, the campaign manager called me, I was at headquarters and said, could, could you get your bags? Um, we're going to charter a flight to Florida. We think something's going on there. And I said, oh, I, I don't need my bags. And this is like three in the morning. It's raining. And I said, I don't need my bags. I, I can go now. And they said, well, it, it might be a couple days. I was like, oh, well, I ended up being on the front lines counting chads and, <laughs> and doing count every vote rallies for 38 days in Florida. And it was intense on the front lines. And it was, there was high conflict, high emotions. And we got through it as a nation. And we will get through this as a nation. So, and to me, that's one of the powerful things. It was right after that, that I, that I, that I kind of stumbled on coaching and I embraced it and I love it. And I feel like coaching is one of the ways to finding hope. It is the way to having that compassion and curiosity and, and what I said earlier about, you know, letting go of judgment. Um, so I, I think those are just some comments. I'm not sure if, if you had a different direction you wanted to go, Alex, but where I feel like there's an intersection of, of politics and the, the place we're at in this moment of high anxiety collectively uh, as a country as, uh, and how that intersects with, with coaching. Yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, there wasn't a. There definitely wasn't like a specific question, but I, I just started to think about that. Right, we we get really on an individual level, we get very tied up in what we're afraid of. Coaching helps us with that, and it made me think. Well, collectively, are we just doing that also? Um, but yeah, thanks for reminding us of the past and how things were, and like you were actually there and experienced it. Um, I'm curious for both of you. You're both more experienced than me. You're both experienced coaches. You're both like lead other coaches, have helped develop coaching programs. What, did, what are you doing for yourselves right now during this time so that you can like take care of yourselves so that you can be the people you need to be for your clients or for your families? Well, it's interesting because what one of the things I did is uh, I did not watch the news last night. I did not doom scroll. I have not yet, other than reading the newspaper this morning and reading the New York Times, I have resisted the urge. And, and, and I'm really consciously resisting because I know for me, one of the things I have to do to take care of myself is to set clear boundaries. And, and as soon as I click on that first link, it's sort of like, you know, as soon as you, an addict, as soon as you take that first step that you know is the wrong step, I will be cycling downward. And I, and I know that because I've done it before and it doesn't work well for me. It, 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 I go into this place of spiraling and then I'm not as, as strong of a coach for my clients. So that's one of the things that is a meeting example of how I've had to, or chosen to take care of myself. That's really great. I, um, yesterday, because I do things at the last minute, sometimes I, I had the thought, oh, this organization needs a, sort of a safe space to talk. So I, I'm sort of notoriously a loner, especially in hard times. Like I like to, you know, if I'm going to weep, I need to go in the closet and do it. I have to be completely by myself in a small space. Right. So, um, I, I tend towards the lone wolfness. 
But I noticed that yesterday I was reaching out to everyone and I was creating uh, get-togethers like safe space, come and talk about anything and know that you'll be loved and acknowledged and appreciated. And then um, last night I was surprised. My children are now 11 and 13 and very interested and sort of from a different perspective than perhaps we who are somewhat jaded by now by our political experiences. So, um, you know, very like hanging on lots of things. And so uh, um, rather than the, I love the term doom scrolling, I was sort of educating and giving out my energy to either my kids or other people. And that was really helpful. Thanks for the question. What, what about you, Alex? How did you? Well, the first I just need to check because I'm checking my call logs and my text messages because I don't see anything from you. And I heard you just say you were reaching out to everyone. So I'm, I must have, my phone must have not been working or something. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I created actually a rule for myself, so similar to Darcy's in, um, probably about two, a month or two ago where I took all the social medias off my phone. Um, I started, you know, I, I put out a lot of, I think, great, positive, helpful content, um, content that like helps lift people up into the world. So I didn't want to stop contributing, but I wanted to stop consuming. So I took it all off my phone. I got one of those automatic program things. So it could like, I could prep them in advance and have them go out without me having to necessarily go to the sites. Um, and then I gave myself like once a day, I can go on Facebook or on, on CNN. Usually I go CNN and then I go Fox back to back. And I like just look and I go, oh, the truth is somewhere like probably in the middle. So I give myself that once a day kind of moment. Um, and that has helped a ton to simply say, hey, once a day I get to go do this. Uh, last night we tried to make it a little fun. Um, three of us sat around and like, you know, ate chips and salsa. Like we, you know, had a couple of drinks. We watched, we, we you know, we, we made jokes. We flipped between different networks. Shockingly, if you want dulcet, calming tones during a thing like this, watch BBC. They're either drunk or they just are like, you know, getting their revenge watching America doing what we're doing. <laughs> um, so that's how I've done it. It's like just boundaries, limited consumption. The other thing is I started meditating again every single morning to start the day. Like that 20 or 30 minutes game changer. Let's talk about that for a minute, or if you don't mind, I'll pick up on that. So Darcy, you did your master's thesis at Pepperdine University on the impact of life coaching on overall life satisfaction. I'd, be, I'd love to hear everything that you've learned, or at least the highlights. For example, if we want to be more satisfied in life, in such a time as this, what should we be doing? Is, is meditation one of those things? Uh, yes, absolutely. And you'll get a kick out of this since we are talking, it is the day after election day and we're talking about politics. When I was um, doing my master's, I was working for one of our U.S. senators in Wisconsin for 12 years for Herb Cole. And um, I had just taken a leave of absence from the U.S. Senate to go and uh, work on, uh, we, Wisconsin had a new governor that was elected and a different party uh, that the, the previous party had been in, ruling for 12 or 16 years. And so I took a leave of absence and I was the deputy transition director to help set up his government. And so I'm doing my master's degree and I, and I needed to share with my um, thesis advisor my topic. And so I told her I was going to do my thesis on the ethical considerations of a gubernatorial transition team. And she said, okay, 
so how passionate are you about that? And I said, passionate? What do you mean passionate? What, what does passion have to do with this? is my master's thesis. And she it's said, well, <laughs> she said, I, you know, I'm going to challenge you to do one of two things. This was the best gift ever. She said, either do something um, where you can double dip and get great value in your life currently from your thesis or do something that uh, brings you closer to where you want to be in the future. Like if you could do anything, uh, your thesis on anything, what would it be? And I was like, wait, really? I said, it'd be on coaching. And she's like, great, do it on coaching. And I said, but I'm not a coach. Well, go do your thesis. So I took a uh, hundred former U.S. Senate interns, um, randomly selected 10. All hundred did a pretest, randomly selected 10, coached them every week for three months. And at the end, everybody, all hundred took these post-tests. And then I shipped off the, the, all the data to a professor at UW-Madison uh, to do the analysis. And I'll never forget the day he called me and he said, Darcy, you can, you got to publish this. He's like, you can, it's amazing. Unequivocally say, regardless of where uh, the, the people start at the beginning of coaching in, in terms of self-awareness or goal setting or achievement or what have you, at the end of three months, they have greater clarity, they have more satisfaction, they have more self-awareness. Uh, and that was all I needed. It was, it was when I was doing my, my thesis and this two-year deep dive that I was like, oh my gosh. Uh, and I fell in love with coaching. And that's when I went and started to then get trained. And I did all of that, I'm embarrassed to say, without any training as a coach, I was coaching people. And I'm embarrassed to say it. And yet it happens all the time. We all know there's a lot of coaches out there who are not, who are not certified. Um, there's no barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah, there's no barriers. Exactly. So, um, and now I've, I've, I've went off on that story and I lost my, my train of thought. I guess the, oh, the last thing I'll say, and then you can, oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, we're talking about the, about that study and what impacts people's, uh, life satisfaction. I was, I was keying off of Alex's talking about wanting to meditate more. And I'm thinking at this time where so many people are agita, you know, because of the, um, because of the election, because how things went or are going. And I imagine the next month of our lives is going to be, you know, the daily news cycles of more agitation and who's doing what and what court said what. I'm wondering if there are things that you are either recommending or know from your work support people. And one thing I'm hearing is coaching. But are there other practices like that you've taken on out of either your work or that you found valuable. Alex was talking about meditation. Yes. Yes. So absolutely coaching meditation. Phenomenal. I'll say that after deciding I love coaching and going through multiple trainings and then, you know, all the levels of certification with the ICF, it was about five years ago that I started to notice these different patterns from my clients and really what gets in the way of having life satisfaction, of being able to focus on what you do best. And that's where I created my Thoughtfully Fit model, which is really a training plan for life and business success. And it's a metaphor. When you're physically fit, your movements are easier. When you're thoughtfully fit, your life is easier. But you need to train and practice to be thoughtfully fit. Just like if, if you were to wake up on Saturday, Alex, and, and you trained for and you did a marathon, um, you don't have a pass then from there on forth to being physically fit. You need to continue to train and practice. Uh, it's the same way when you're thoughtfully fit. You need to train and practice. 
and this is a long answer to your question, Christopher, of what else works at the core of being thoughtfully fit. So just like when you're physically fit, if you have a strong core, you're less likely to get injured. And every activity is easier, whether it's cross-country skiing or basketball or, or, you know, just putting the own, your own suitcase up on the, on the bin in the, in, the, in the airplane. In the same way, when you have a strong core and you're thoughtfully fit, all of your interactions are easier. Even those tough ones, even the ones where you're triggered and have conflict. And so to build and engage your core, your thoughtfully fit core, there's three steps. You pause think, and act. And those three steps that I designed in this model for your core are mirror exactly what coaches do for their clients, right? You, you, how many times have you had a client come in and say, oh, I was going to cancel. I, I'm, I'm just so busy. And they come in, that, that coaching is a forced pause. And the, the think, what we do as coaches is mirror back to our clients what we're hearing and ask thoughtful questions and help them get new awareness and help them think. And then at the end of the session, okay, with the new awareness you're having, what are you going to do? And they act. So that pause, think, act is a, a, a model that I designed to help in moments like this. Meditation helps, coaching helps, but it's something that is very tangible. When you're feeling triggered, when you're feeling frustrated, when you're about to overreact, pause in that moment and take a moment to think. And in the think, instead of having a coach ask you questions, you're kind of coaching yourself. You're asking yourself questions. What do I need in this moment to be calm? How do I want to show up thoughtfully? What's triggering me? And then with that new awareness, you act. I have a question for both, for both of you again. Um, there's clearly people who have coaches. There's people that see the value, like they do personal development work. They're like on that. Maybe they've had a coach, maybe they haven't, but they're like, they're, they're in the realm of saying yes to a coach or they will, or, or they get the value. And then there's people outside of that, that to different varying degrees, right? Have no, don't know what coaching is. Don't know why they would. In the, you just said words like clarity, satisfaction, self-awareness. What I've noticed is that when I'm out in the world, people think they're self-aware. And we've all seen those studies, right? Like people very much think they're more self-aware than what studies show that they are. Um, and the difference you just described that it makes for people, you just described your study and the difference it made for them. What are words that coaches can be using, like keywords that you both have found that actually can appeal to those people that are on the outside that would have them go, oh, I want to step into this. I want to try this. Like those things that people, those keywords that maybe people want that they don't know. Does that make sense? And just to clarify, Alex, so, so what, you're, what you're posing is um, for those people who don't see the innate value of coaching and aren't like the super fans of coaching, uh, what, what, would, what would they need to know to understand the value of coaching? What are some of those keywords? Is that... Yeah, I have. I mean, I know I have. A, I hear from a lot of like newer coaches, or I talk to a lot of coaches like in the first five years. And one of the things I'll hear is like, I know what I'm saying when I talk to a room of people, and my soup, the big fans of coaching know what I'm saying, but the people that aren't in that group don't necessarily know why they would or what's in it for them or what would they would want to. What are words that you both have found? Like, I get like clarity, self awareness, and satisfaction. Like those grab me, but I'm already a fan. 
It's interesting where my mind goes is, and, and this isn't always possible, but where it's possible to give them a taste. So it's kind of like when, you know, I was um, before the pandemic, I was at the mall with my daughters and we were, we were on our way out and we walked through the food court and we, we were heading home to have dinner. And we walked through the food court and uh, this, this woman in her uniform walked out with this plate of sweet and sour chicken and she said, would, would you like to taste? And so my daughters and I each grabbed a toothpick and we all tasted it and we kept walking Okay, you know, it was like 20 steps later, we look at each other, I'm like, you want, to? yeah, we turned around and, and, and ordered dinner takeout, which we had no intention of doing, because we tasted it. Now, they have words all over saying, you know, that it's a special, or here's what, uh, it's delicious, or it's, you know, whatever those words are, but those words in that moment didn't matter. So to me, when the best Thing you can do is, is is give someone a taste of coaching instead of trying to convince them or tell them. Um, be curious and mirror back. So it sounds like you're you're frustrated and 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 maybe even a little anxious about this. And they're like, well, what? How I I am anxious. I, I guess I didn't right. And like all of a sudden they see how coaching helps illuminate that self awareness and that and that clarity. That's such a vivid example. I love it so much because we've all been there, right? Like, oh, what is that smell drawing me? Oh, Cinnabon. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> or whatever it is. That's beautiful. I have, I have a little different take on it, which is that um, I kind of heard it as a, as a, you know, almost a what's your favorite coaching question these days or something like that. And for me, what I've been um, finding is so effective is how simple, because we get stuck, at least I do, in, uh, in real clear patterns of thoughts and solution oriented living and that sort of thing. Like what's the next thing on my list or what do I need to do so that my kids get picked up at the right time. And um, what I've been doing lately is what else? And also um, trying to get the, the 40,000 foot level of, okay, so what's the goal and what's the obstacle? Do you know what I mean? Just really getting into the basics of it because what I, what, most of my clients anyway, and myself, uh, follow my example of making things way complicated. Well, if the hypotenuse and the quadrangle were in the right, do you know, instead of, oh, I want to eat food and this smells delicious right? or something like that. Right. And when we use our coaches, um, as you know, that sort of simplification opportunity, then it becomes much clearer. Oh, okay. So what's the next action to take? Well, Let's get some of that orange chicken or whatever it was. Um, is there a follow-up there, Alex, or do you want to? No, no, I was, I, you both, I mean, you both answered it. Thank you. I think um, I love the vivid, uh, the vivid visual of the giving someone a taste. And I think, Christopher, what you actually added to it is that thing of like goal obstacle could be that simple way that, hey, some people... Like if you can't get them with the smell of the orange chicken or you can't get them with the looks of the orange chicken, sometimes like what are the words? And I think goal obstacle is very clean and everyone knows what that means. Whereas everyone thinks of satisfaction kind of differently. That means something very different to everyone. Goal and obstacle are pretty clear cut. So thanks. Thank you. So Darcy, I've got so many questions. One of them, because I don't talk to people from Wisconsin that often, is uh, what, what's the deal with the brewers? No, I'm kidding. Uh, although there is that question sooner or later. Um, I, love the, I love the notion of the thoughtfully fit model, starting with your core 
not your necessarily your physical core, because clearly Alex would beat me in that contest. But um, if you don't mind the the sort of double meaning here, what is the core of your model? I know that your model has a core, right? So I'm asking a different question, which yep, is- Yep, I got it. Yeah, thanks. The core of the model is that um, you always have choices and the goal is to focus on what you control. So at the core of the model, it's choices and control. Regardless of what happens, whether it's internally, um, you know, proactively, or if it's externally reactively, something happens or that, that you always go back to that core of what are my choices and what do I control? And I think that also aligns with what we do in coaching is we help our clients explore perspectives try on different angles, figure out what the choices are. A lot of times, especially when something bad happens or when we're stuck, we feel like there are no choices. We feel like we don't have control. And so, or maybe the the choices are between two bad things. And of course, what you both know being uh, uh, coaches is that there's always choices. And if you can focus on what you control, you can move forward and get unstuck. And so, so that's really at the core of the Thoughtfully Fit model. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. When we look at it, what do we do with the... Like, how do you train people to overcome the conflicts, the, the change, the uncertainty in the inside of this model? Yeah. Uh, so at the, at, the, at the simplest level, when, when we talk about what is at the core visually of the model and how do you uh, build that core to be thoughtfully fit, it is training yourself in that moment to pause. Um, I, I had a client recently who said, oh, I realized, Darcy, I do it backwards. I, I act. 
And then I pause and think, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> right? Exactly. And, yeah. and, um, and, and so instead of overreacting, um, pausing and giving yourself that moment, and it might be a breath. It, it, it might be when you're triggered, when you're frustrated, when you're stuck, um, just, just taking a cup of coffee, a, a sip of your cup of coffee, um, or naming, huh, I'm, I'm noticing that I'm really feeling um, attacked right now. I just, I just need to take a breath. Um, and so that you can think, so you can slow it down so that you can create that new awareness and explore. I do have some choices here. My only choice is not to overreact or <laughs> to get defensive or to shut down or stonewall or cry or whatever. And I think that's so crystal, uh, crystal clear when you look at people who do handle uh, crises well, thoughtfully, they are able to slow it down and to pause and think and then act thoughtfully. And then I just answered your question, Alex, and and I can't I can't remember what the what the gist of your question was. So my apologies if I went off on a tangent. Well, you you did. I mean, you it's it it was kind of your the the slowing down, pausing. It's the same. It answered the question. Um, the thing that I actually think is is even more important because at least I know this with a lot the coaches I know and the people that do lots of self development work or meditate have are training their brain to get involved in this process on a regular basis slow down breathe you know get create awareness and then we've all had those clients where they come back week after week and it's like I did that thing again I snapped at my you know I yelled at all my employees Christopher knows all about that I um you know I I yelled at my husband or my kids and they're they're like I know the thing we keep talking about having it go different and yet in the moment they keep essentially what the term I like to use is you get hijacked by essentially your nervous system your ego for the for the people that are hey i know i want to pause i know i want to breathe and yet it doesn't go what how do you what tools do you use to kind of like wedge in there to have it go different yeah and you you named it you have to train and and just like if you if you want to be an athlete whether you want to do a, a um you know play ultimate frisbee in your local team or you want to be an olympian you want to be michael phelps you have to train and you have to do skill drills and you have to break it down and give yourself the opportunity to practice over and over again. It is the same way to handle crises, to be thoughtful in any situation. It requires training. And so if you find that you're overreacting regularly, what can you do to break that down to build in that pause? And I always say, don't start with your mother-in-law, right? Start, start where it's easy. <laughs> so when you're, uh, you know, going to the, uh, the grocery store and somebody takes that last parking spot that you were just, you had your blinker on, you were just about to go into. Instead of overreacting and getting angry, in that moment is an opportunity to, to practice, to train, to, to say, I'm going to pause. Think, what do I want to do in this moment? Do I really want to give my energy over to this person? You know, I've been wanting to walk more anyway, and there was a spot open at the end of the parking lot um, you know, how do I want to handle this? And then act and just be like, you know, wave the person and turn around and go park in the last spot and walk in and choose to behave differently. The more you can do that um, consistently on the small stuff, the easier it gets on the big stuff. So when you are uh, blindsided by your employees and you're overreacting, you build up your, your strength and train um, so that you can handle the harder stuff better. You do the training and the skill drills. Just like, if, you know, you want to have a strong physical core, 
you got to train. You have to do, you, you can't just do sit-ups one day and be done. You have to do it every single day. And the more you do it, the stronger you get and the easier it gets. I love that. I, somebody, somebody, sorry, it's Christopher. Somebody said to me once, uh, a great example of this for the clients that we struggle with is you don't go to the gym, work out your arms, walk outside and go and look at them as if they should be bigger right? It's like you actually go all the time, see no change for maybe months at times, then all of a sudden you notice a difference. But, but in life with our, with our behaviors, with our anger, with our, with our automatic reactions, we expect our things to be instantaneous. Oh, we practiced it once. Why isn't it different? Christopher, I interrupted you. You're allowed to speak. It's better, right? I'm loving this. I was just, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, welcome back. You're allowed to, your turn. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Terranova. The, um, the thing that I was thinking of is that we're, and, and I know, Darcy, you've got a couple of, uh, are they both girls? You're teenagers? Yes, I've got uh, 13 and 14-year-old daughters. Oh, bless you. I, uh, I also have a 13-year-old uh, girl living at my house who says she's related to me, as well as an 11-year-old boy. And um, <laughs> I uh, mention it because, at least for me, you know, I love that we're using uh, workplace examples and, you know, day-to-day like parking lot and whatnot. But man, the place that I have, that I struggle the most, if I were to work out my thoughtfully fit core of pausing, it would be with my family because those people annoy the crap out of me. Uh, what, what, do you have any tips or techniques or, or uh, anything you want to say about that and how those people closest to us can often be our biggest um, challenge? Oh, you are so right. That is, I'm laughing um, uh, because of familiarity. Like, right? That's the that's the biggest struggle. And oftentimes, because our our family is the safest place, so we can be the most unguarded and maybe the most unpolished. Uh, We kind of got to button it up at work. We could get fired. Well, we're not going to get fired from our from our family. So they oftentimes see the worst of us. And I'll tell you. Uh, you know, Christopher, you're so right on. For for me, it, I've worked really hard with my daughters, and I feel like there I've I've made a lot of practice starting small. And I will actually name it. I will say, you know what, mom's feeling a little bit frustrated right now. I I need a pause. I have to actually tell them I need a pause as much as I'm telling myself you need a pause. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to take a shower. I'll come back down and let's think about it. And then when I'm in the shower, I'm thinking, okay, what's going on that I'm feeling so frustrated, so angry. And then when I come back, I'm able to act more thoughtfully. The place where I still struggle, I find is when I go back home, my family of origin home and, and I see my parents and I become that, that snotty 16 year old. Right. I mean, and I I probably, that to me is the frontier that is hardest because I, I don't have a chance to practice with my daughters. I'm actively working on it and practicing, but I, you know, I don't see my parents as often. And so I work really hard. Um, and, and I think you're right on that. A lot of times that is the place that is more challenging. I love that you put that in because at least for me, it always feels when I go home and I have that reaction with my parents, it sometimes feels like I'm the only one. Like I'm supposed to be, I work on this all day. I read all these books. I practice all these things. Why? And then I'm still the jerk of a child. Um, 
and I beat myself up for it. But I think it's, that's a great reminder. Like, oh, I'm not the only one. Thank you for that. You are not the only one. As a matter of fact, I went through um, an intensive training in Chicago a couple of years ago on emotional uh, emotional systems theory, family systems theory and processes. And, um, and one of the goals uh, and the core tenets of that program was that you want to always remain a non-anxious presence. So as things around you are spiraling and going crazy, how do you remain a non-anxious presence? And I think about that a lot when I'm pausing and thinking, how do I stay, how do I stay calm? And how do I create a non-anxious presence in the environment, what's happening, emotional field, right? Um, and so one of the classes was early November, right about this time. And we were, you know, leaving and we were going to come back together in two months. And so he said, okay, your homework. If for those of you who are, home, who are going home for, your, for Thanksgiving with your family of origin, I want you to see how long you can remain a non-anxious presence when you get back to your family. And he said, the record, I've been teaching this class for 20 years, is 38 seconds. <laughs> so you are not alone, Alex. <laughs> so great. Um, do you have a follow-up or can I move on? No, go, please, move on. Sorry, did that, did that leave you? Do you want to share your feelings about that, Alex? No, no, no. I was, gonna, I was actually going to transition to something else, but go for it. You are too. Oh. Go. Me too. One of the things that's been on my mind as we've been talking, because, you know, it's easy on November 4th to be um, clouded by the election. You know, it seems so important. And we've been leading up to this moment. And clearly, we'll need at least another day or five or 30 to get that resolved. But something that likely won't be gone or addressed or resolved in 30 days is the pandemic that we find ourselves in and have been in. And I know that, you know, it, it, you think something like that couldn't get more complicated and then it becomes politicized and it becomes even more complex and uh, challenging. When you're in the business as we are to support clients in challenges, it seems like there's no clearer challenge that we're all facing no matter what walk of life or lack of walk of life we're dealing with than the pandemic. Are there things in your, uh, in you know, I guess I've got two questions, and forgive me for the long buildup. The first is, in your model, pause is the first thing. Seems like we're getting a global pause opportunity. And, sec and maybe I've got that wrong. And then secondly is, what are you mostly supporting people with these days that we can all sort of steal? What tips or techniques would you share with us that we can use with our own club? Mm -hmm. Thanks for hearing all that question. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's it's you're, you're you're right on that. That is and will continue to be a challenge. And I, I I love your metaphor that it's a global pause. To me, to 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 your part about how do you support people through that and with coaching, is helping people to be able to choose the perspective that they're having through this pandemic. And I don't say that to be like Pollyanna-ish because it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. Whether you are um, an essential worker on the front lines figuring out how to stay, keep yourself safe and your family safe out there, or whether you are a remote worker and trying to coexist, either isolated, home, alone, not seeing anybody, or maybe you've got your spouse's home and your kids, I know both of my girls are virtual schooling. There's, they're not going to school, um, is to go back to uh, 
exploring what are my choices here? Because again, and, and what do I control? Um, and, and asking those questions of, of, of clients to help them really step into the, the place that they can take control and the choices they do have. And when you give up your choices and control, you become a victim. And as soon as you become a victim in your own life, then you, then I've noticed in my own life, certainly when I become a victim, I give up those choices and control. That's like the domino effect of, you name it, depression, anxiety, resentment, frustration. And so how do you get back to the place and, and, and where you can focus on? So for me, per, you know, it, it, it sucks that my girls are home and they're, they're not doing the, the swim team and all of, all of the stuff. And yet that's completely out of our control right now. So we looked at as a family, what are our choices? We could be angry. We could be upset. We could be yelling at the administrator saying kids need to be in schools or we could, chose, we could, we could focus on what do we control? We're home. We've got, we've got an opportunity here. My, my daughters actually came to me. Uh, so pandemic shutdown started in March. They came to me at the end of the March, two weeks in, and they said, Mom, I know you don't want another dog. I'm a single parent. Um, and uh, I know you don't want another dog. I love, love, love dogs. Um, how about if we become foster parents? It was a beautiful example of looking at what are our choices here? How do we want to handle this pandemic? And so we applied. We are on our third foster dog right now. It has been it, like the most beautiful silver lining of COVID that ever could have been because they are learning what it's like. And, and our first dog was a 90-pound Great Dane Pitbull pit mix with behavior issues. And they learned quickly like, oh, this is why mom doesn't want a dog. And they learned so much through that. They love that dog. Then we, we, you know, our second dog was a little one. Now we've got Tiny, ironically, as a 55-pound. <laughs> um, and so I, I think that's a long way of saying, how do you support people? Give them the gift of stepping into that perspective of, um, I, I do have choices and there are things I control. I love that. I shared with you right before we hit record, right? I got a dog in March. Callie! And, I, I've, and I've never had a dog and I've always been afraid, you know, of all the responsibilities and all the things like I was like, oh, I'm going to be so annoyed when, when I have to clean up, you know, the, the poop on the floor. And, um, and the same thing, you know, hey, we're in quarantine. I get to make a choice. Well, this is going to, I can watch Netflix all day and be bitter. You know, I chose to get a dog and it, I mean, it's crazy to think, right? I said to you, every day has been better than the day before 2020 because of that dog has actually been one of the best years of my life because of a simple choice I made to get a dog. And then to your point of like the way it trains us, now you both have kids, I don't have this experience, I always thought that all these things we have to do would be frustrating. When the dog goes to the bathroom or wakes me up in the middle of the night because it's sick or something, the, the, the me that I thought I would be would be like, ugh. And the me that I am is, okay, let's go outside. Let's clean up. It's like there's actually this sense of gratitude. Like I get to be the one that gets to take care of this thing, which is the, just the other side of the coin of I also get to love it. Um, and it's, you know, I'll, all of it, the good, right, the yeah. bad, the hard, the fun, the loving, the poop, all of it. Yeah. Yep. And then it's not even a big, it's all just the choice. I made the choice and it's not a big deal. 
Darcy, I feel like our little Alex is growing up. Uh, I know, <laughs> right? You guys, um, it's, 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 I never, I, I mean, I looked, I called, uh, I called my mom one of the first times and I'm sure you'll both have this too. Your, your kids will call you right at some point as they get older. And I said to her, how did you do this? And she went, what do you mean? I was like, this was last week. Uh, she was, my dog was sick and I was up four nights all night. She would wake me up and had to go outside and I didn't sleep for basically a week. And I was like, how did you do it with a, a child that does it for months or years? And she laughed at me and she goes, cause you, cause I loved you. And it was like, so, you know, so simple. Um, can we and, and I'll tell you to that point, can I interrupt real quick? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, one of the things that that the girls and I did, um, and this is thanks to coach training that I learned this skill and I use it everywhere. We designed our 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 foster alliance, and so before we even got our first dog, we sat down and we typed out. I've got a blog about it on that I wrote about it, and I think I even did a, every week I go live on Thoughtfully Bit Thursday. I talked about that. We talked about what are the expectations, what are the roles, who's doing what. And we wrote it down and we made a contract and had Josie and Jaden and who's picking up poop, who's walking it, who's giving it the medication, who's feeding it. And it had mom. And I designed that I didn't have any bullets. And I was up clear. I was clear on that up front and the expectation. Like, I know you want a dog. I don't have the capacity right now. I, I, to run a business and to be a single mom. So let's get clear up front what's going to happen. Now in our second alliance with our second foster dog, I actually took on a couple things because they were in the morning, I'm the first to get up. So I said, they said, mom, would you be willing to get the dog out of the crate? I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Right. But we designed that. The other thing we designed up front were clear expectation that we are under no circumstances adopting a dog. You're going to fall in love with this dog. You're going to realize why I love dogs. And, and you know, if you ask to adopt the dog, fostering's over. And they have honored that. And so every, I mean, I can't believe how many of our friends and family are like, oh, how can you give this dog up? How do you, because this is what we designed. We know that we have a very important role in the life of this job. That's really, of this dog, that's really important. And it's a limited term gig. And we all are in agreement on that. And so when you talk about with your mom, like, how did you do this? You know, she signed up for that. In this case, how I'm doing it is because we got really clear on, you know, I'm not waking up resentful and angry because I'm not the one getting up in the middle of the night with the puppy to take it out to use the, the bathroom. <laughs> I want to transition. We're like, we've flown through this that we've flown through this conversation. It's, it's so fun so talking fun, to you right? guys. <laughs> um, I want to know, as somebody who got, uh, got their PCC this year and Congratulations. actually was really, thank you, was really challenged in why would I? That was like my really, my biggest obstacle is like, why would I do this? And I really had to do a lot of work with my coach and my support structures to get enrolled in like why I would want these letters and, 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 what it means as a coach to have them. And you're both, you're both MCCs, which is a whole, which as I've understood is even as such a bigger process. For the coaches out there listening that are ACCs, maybe they're nothing, maybe they're PCCs, why should they? Why do they want to? And you know, what's in it for them? And also like the world, like what's the benefit from, from your opinions? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that question. It, it's, to me, when I went through from ACC to PCC to MCC, I also have a certification in organization and relationship systems coaching. I'll say 
the number one reason, which I didn't know going up front. In the beginning, the, the reason to, to get the letters and to go through it was, was ego, um, probably one and two, because I wanted to be able to have um, bigger contracts and I wanted to be able to do executive coaching and go into organizations. And when I first started coaching in 2004, it was very new and there wasn't a lot of understanding of, of coaching and the International Coach Federation and even you know the board, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a board certified coach as well. Uh, as, as, as coaching is growing up, um, more people are understanding it and more organizations are, are, are knowing that because as, as you said earlier, there's, there's no barrier to entry. Anybody tomorrow could put up a website and say, I'm an executive coach. Organizations are getting more savvy that they understand and, and are requiring that entry that you have demonstrated that you're certified, which means you understand the core competencies of coaching and the ethical, you've trained and you understand the ethics. What I didn't expect, particularly when I went to the MCC level, that master certified coach, was that I would become a better coach. I really give credit to the ICF because it was not just checking boxes and going through the motions. I hired mentors and, and I sent recordings and I worked my tail off. I had, I thought I was, a, I mean, I was a good coach before I became, I was a good coach. I was not an excellent coach. I was not a masterful coach going through and getting that designation helped me to truly understand this distinction and to stop being blurry with mentoring and advising and consulting. And all of that is fine. Teaching, that's great, but it's not coaching. That, when I went through and got that designation, it really helped me to understand and to be a better coach and to stop giving advice. Even when I thought, but, but I have good advice to give and they need to know. That's not masterful coaching. I don't know if, Christopher, you have other things to add or, or to, to that. Not really. It was beautifully stated, beautifully said, and it's worth uh, the journey. And um, I think that I, I guess I do have something that the only thing that I didn't hear uh, that I might emphasize or add is the sense of ownership of the profession. There's something, you know, while we're working our way up there that feels like there's a profession and we're applying or trying or, or working to get there. But as a master certified coach, and one of the things that Alex and I are working on is a is a podcast series called The OGs of Coaching because we want, I want to talk to the people who saw this vision of coaching and could own it as their own. And I think that that's one of the things I love about you, Darcy, and in talking to you today is not only the incredibly broad uh, experience and life uh, 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 commitments, really, that you bring to coaching and that we can talk to you about, but also that you're really willing to own coaching and the direction that coaching goes and be out loud about this is what good coaching is. I really appreciate your stand for the profession and including all the ethical standards and, you know, um, power of it. I also want to acknowledge you for your generosity because you have got something that you're giving away to our listeners today. Uh, the thoughtful questions playbook. Do, uh, do you remember how we get that and what people need to do or do you want to yes. tell us? Yes. Yeah, it's something I put together, um, and and depending on who your audience is, if if they're certified, they're master certified coaches, they they know how to ask questions. And yet, one of the things that I found as I went through the different layers of of of, of coach training, and I love that you say the value of you own it, is 
understanding in a really simple, direct way how to ask powerful, thoughtful questions. And so what I've got is this playbook that I put together and it's those tips that I wish someone had told me in a really bottom line way up front of how do you do it? Because it's not natural. The questions that naturally we go to are more gossipy questions and detective questions and like solving problems questions. So if anybody would like that, uh, it's a free PDF. If you take out your phone and open up your text and just in the two line where you would put uh, the name of who, or number you're going to text the person, just put the number 33444. That's who the text goes to. And then hit send, or sorry, don't hit send. In the message, put TF Playbook. So that stands for Thoughtfully Fit. TF Playbook, all one word. Doesn't matter if it's lowercase or uppercase. Then you hit send. You'll automatically get a reply asking for your email address. You put that in, you will get this uh, Thoughtful Questions Playbook emailed to you as a PDF. You can print it, you can share it, you can save it, you can give it to your spouse who you wish was better at asking <laughs> questions, <laughs> whatever you'd like. Or your ex-spouse or your future spouse, Alex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then just in full transparency, um, that will also sign you up for, for my Thoughtfully Fits Tips newsletter that comes out once a week on Wednesdays. If you sign up and you get the playbook and you're overwhelmed with your inbox and you want to unsubscribe at any time, just hit unsubscribe. That's no problem. Or if you want to check it out for a couple of weeks and see, we try to send out a weekly newsletter that gives value based on what we're noticing are the obstacles and the challenges that, uh, that clients have that we're working with on being you know, thoughtfully fit. That's a whole lot of instructions. So let me let me review. If people want to find out more just about you, your coaching and consulting work, they can go to Darcy Loma, which is spelled D-A-R-C-Y-L-U-O-M-A, which is why I said it that way instead of Loma. It's D-A-R-C-Y-L-U-O-M-A dot com. But this, I love this. And let me see if I got the instructions right. So I'm texting to 33444, which is two threes and three fours, but don't do they don't do that. Three three. 444, and I'm texting the letters T is in Tom, F is in uh, Frank, playbook, all together as one word. And then I'm going to get to input my uh, email address, and I'll get the thoughtful questions playbook as well as a weekly newsletter. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Thank you for your generosity. I'm excited to get my copy of the thoughtful questions playbook. Well, our time, as, as my colleague and you have said, uh, has flown by, and I know that we're actually over the time that you committed to be with us this morning. Uh, how about if we give you the last minute or two with uh, an opportunity to give us a parting thought or a parting shot on this uh, post-election day day? What would you have a few thousand coaches know or think about today? Well, I will... <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's been really fun. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to join you today. I, I, I love the dynamics in your relationship and, and, the, and the conversation. Um, and I will, I will self-manage um, giving a parting shot, given that, um, you know, I'm trying to really stay nonpartisan in, in, in a world where I feel very um, anxious about the, <laughs> the elections and what's going on. Um, and, and I think so, so, um, for a parting thought is just uh, wherever you're at on your journey, whether you're a coach or, um, or not is to remember to keep engaging your core and, you know, multiple times throughout the day, just pause 
take the time to think, to ask those questions and then act. And when you do that, it will naturally help you to focus on your choices and what you control. And when you do that, you'll be thoughtfully fit. When you're thoughtfully fit, your life will feel easier. It's not that there won't be challenges and adversity and obstacles and conflict. It's that you'll be able to handle that, that thoughtfully. So instead of having to go back and clean up the mess and spend all this energy and time from when you didn't handle yourself thoughtfully, you've overreacted, you know, um, you then can get back to doing what you do best, whatever it is that you do best in the world. So thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure to, to be with you both today on this uh, election, post-election morning. <laughs> It was beautiful to have you. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. Once again, it's Darcy Loma. That's D-A-R-C-Y-L-U-O-M-A.com. Alex, any uh, final words today? I know, Darcy, you need to leave. And thank you so much for being with us uh, in your busy schedule. Alex, any final words, thoughts, or psychic intuitions you'd like to share? I, I think the thing that Darcy put in right at the end, um, when I look back at like my life before coaching, before having a coach, before being a coach, like my life was always filled with blessings. Like it was always very privileged. It was always, you know, I had more than most, um, things typically went my way, but my experience of life was pretty crappy. Like I wasn't happy. I was complaining a lot. I was negative. I didn't appreciate, I wasn't grateful and all that's changed. I was winning before I'm winning after is where, um, uh, like how I show up. And I love that you say it's like makes life easier. My life isn't any more or less easy. I still start relationships and end relationships. I still like make money and spend more money than I make. I, you know, I have all the same problems and all the same benefits. And yet the experience of my life feels like I'm you know, I, I almost want to say like, I'm on uh, like, it's a small world. Like it's just a boat, like floating through this amazing experience and, but nothing's actually changed except for the way that I decided that I experience it. Um, and it's kind of like what Christopher said, like you own it. it, it it's not an accident. You, you own your life and your experiences. Yeah. And, and they're like, like, I think it's important though. It's like the same, right. But the, it's, um, it's it's not that what matters is is the way we experience it isn't the same right so if you're always winning and it does and you don't like love your life who what's the point of winning right and if you're and if you're always losing and you know and i just that that it really stuck to me like it makes this work makes life easier and people might hear that as like oh well you get all this stuff and it's like no it like literally it's just the way you experience the things that happen versus the things that happen changing um, so no, this was great. Thanks, Darcy. Thank you. Thank you both. I can't tell if Alex froze, but that would be Alex Terranova. You can find him at thedreammason.com. My name is Christopher McAuliffe. Uh, please check out our longtime sponsor of this program at accomplishmentcoaching.com, home of the world's finest coach training program. I thank you, dear listener, for uh, joining us today and we will be here each and every week bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching people you need to know about and people just doing great stuff in the world. Thank you, Darcy. Thank you, Alex. We'll talk to you, my dear listener, next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.